Sweat Equity Podcast and streaming show, the number one business comedy podcast in the world. In the world. No. In the world. Bye. Don't get to tell me when to do it. Episode 297 with power business attorney Stephen Fantetti of FantettiLegal.com. So proud of you, don't call him Power Bottom Business Whoa. Can't do that. I know, and you don't. He doesn't like the gay jokes. He's not down with that. That's why I'm proud of you. Hey, that's why you're Eric Redinger. Yeah, there you go. On the ones and twos, hitting the hitting the producing and the mic there. I'm your other host, Law Smith. We're the 2020's best small medium enterprise business advisory podcast in the United States. If you want to help out the show, go it's global, on. by the way. That's global. The world, not just USA. Not contiguous United States. Yeah, all 50, baby. All 50 and the world. That globe. That's what we're talking about. Globe trotting. Listen to us on Apple, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, iTunes app. You want to support the show and not our sponsor that I'm about to do? You can go on there, give a five star, give a little review, write a little sentence, and subscribe. That's the cheat code that gets us up. One day, we really want to make a push to be on the top business podcast because we shouldn't belong there. Yeah, and they'll pull us right off. This episode is sponsored by Warby Parker. WarbyParkerTrial.com forward slash sweat. How mad do I get when I hear everybody I talk to that just bought a pair of uh, prescription glasses and they? I have to ask, how much did you spend? Alarmingly it's, mad. It's almost absurd when I hear it and I go, why didn't you use... Warby Parker's been a, a, a sponsor of the podcast forever. Why don't you use us? WarbyParkerTrial.com forward slash sweat. Like Keith Sweat. Like Montez Sweat. Shout out to Defense Men. Montez Sweat. Get five free prayers to try on at home. Go to this link. It helps the show out. It's going to help you out. You need prescription sunglasses. You need prescription eyewear. My dad told me how much he spent on his like Mad Men looking glasses and I almost fainted. Yeah. I almost fainted, but then I sent him the link and then... He didn't know what to do from that. Right. But don't be like my dad. Don't he, be like his dad. He's not tech savvy. Or he just doesn't want to do anything that I'm going to push to him like <laughs> that. WarbyParkerTrial.com forward slash sweat. Five feet, free pairs of trying at home. Don't get talked into Sunglass Hut or uh, Lynch Crafters or any of them. It's all Some owned, people call me cool, Eric. It's all owned by one Italian company called Lexotica. You're getting ripped off because that's price fixing. We don't like that in America. Do we? No. No. Fuck that. Yeah. I'm I'm angry. I'm pissed off, but I'm in a pleasant mood because we've got power business attorney Stephen Fantetti. Let's get this party started. Oh, the dirt. I got my sweat equity. Sweat equity. Sweat equity. Sweat equity. Sweat equity. My sweat equity. My, my sweat equity. Sweat equity. What about my sweat equity? Good. Yeah, we're good. Uh, we're good. Throw out. I, I threw out uh, in our intro. Throw out any other uh, any other plugs you want to put up top before. We get into it. I don't know how you plan to introduce me. Same thing as last time. I think you just said that I... We're rolling, baby. We're rolling, dude. Yeah. Corp, cor- corporate lawyer, own Fantetti Legal, law professor, and got the real estate business stuff. That's it. That's all I would say. Right on. Oh, that's it? Okay. Well, I just want to make sure if we want to send anybody to any of your, your brands, your companies, entities, whatever you got going on, that we're doing it up top instead of at the end, you know, just to make sure. I mean, you can... 
Nah, you can uh, you can just say them generally like that right now. If I ever have to plug some one day big time, I'll come and say it. But right now, you can just say that's what I'm involved hey, in. Okay. Right it's now. like All right. when comedians throw dates, <laughs> the, the, the best way to do it is you throw out the city first because it catches their ear. I'm coming to Tampa. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, and then you'll listen for the actual date. I mean, all of our, we don't, we don't have, we don't do any builds in Florida yet. So all of our lands in North Carolina, South Carolina, Pennsylvania right now, all our builds are there. So. Well, I don't know if you know this, <laughs> but we're, we're 2020s. Oh, I know you guys are. Business, small business enterprise B2B advisory. 69. I get it. <laughs> no, we, we, we won an award. It hasn't been yet. Yeah. No, we won. Um, we're 2020s yeah. best small, medium enterprise business advisory podcast in the United States. From Glux, right. Lux Global Excellence Awards, proudly hosted by Lux Life Magazine. So, I mean, we're international. Mm-hmm. I don't doubt it. Internationally, no. International that, men of mystery. You're international. That Canadian disposition, I think, gives you the good even hand that us Americans don't have. But you're you're officially an American now. Um, I was going to say, yeah. But we were talking. Yeah, we were. Uh, we your, your dad was a constable. That's what my favorite. One of my favorite words to know. <laughs> he was not. He was deputy chief of police. But we keep saying constable. It's okay. Constable chief constable of, of police. <laughs> Did you? He didn't wear a mounty hat or anything. Anything cool like nah, that? Nah, nah, he didn't. No. Nope. Okay. <laughs> no. Well, Nothing t- wrong with that though. I apologize <laughs> to Mr. Fantetti um, if he's listening over uh, over in, uh, north of the border. Here's uh. We were talking uh, this weekend off air, obviously. Uh, yeah. We were talking. Finally, finally leaked up. I will. Yeah. Um, and it, it's funny. We Right before we just started right now, I was about to say, it's funny what we get excited for now because you're like, got shutters, bro. <laughs> shutters are dope. New floors, new furniture. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, what kind, man? Are they hurricane proof? Sick. <laughs> Sick, man. Yeah. Uh, no. And we got our kids Adulting. together to go play at the park. And it's just, it's fun to watch that. Uh, yep. Knowing you for how long we've known each other, yeah. our, our interests have, have changed into the dad, the dad dork kind of stuff. Where you're just like, yeah, here's how here's how these kids can play with the Hot Wheels kind of thing. And exactly, I'm, and as, then, I'm as pumped to watch them as anything else, you know. And then we dorked out on business stuff pretty much the whole time while they played. Well, right. And I was like, <laughs> this, I was like, ooh, this will be a good question to lead off when you come back on. Is yeah, you know. If you're a small business, and I think of I think of HR, and I think a lot of people do, I think a lot of people think of it as so supportive or last on the list of priorities. And we were kind of just, you know, waxing poetic about it. And it's one of those things where, let's say you're a small business under mm-hmm. let's de- let's declare what a small business is. Uh, it's a business with less than twenty people. Okay, oh, that's what it is. That's generally correct how it's defined, yeah. Uh, I usually hear it like uh, 2 to 50 or something like that, but whatever. Yeah, most, yeah. Of, mo- most of the time, for most intents and purposes, it's generally with less than 20 employees or personnel. And then you can obviously discuss revenues being less than 500000 That's generally arguable. But you can fall in different places for different reasons, like if you're trying to get a loan, if you're trying to qualify for an exemption. So I don't want to get into all the specifics, but I mean, that's just a generic way to look at it if you want to do it for purposes of this conversation. Your mic's Let's hitting your uh, sweater. You got zipper mic, dog. Your mic's hitting your sweater again. Yeah. All right. Could you hear what I said, though? Yeah, or yeah, no? yeah. It's just, yeah. It's just yeah, rubbing But we weren't paying attention because all we heard was it's zipper. It's tugged in. I'll yeah. try to be still. And all so right. uh, what's it called? So – yeah, well, the hard part about saying I, I'm a small business, like I hate the AMX thing where they're like, we support small businesses. Like, what does that mean? Like, small business for some we people. We put small businesses into debt too. <laughs> right. It's like, uh, you you really care? So you did one small business Saturday yeah. campaign? <laughs> um, but 
it th- it's kind of hard to declare what a small or medium business is because a lot of people th- th- it's wild everybody's definition but i'd say for a small business as you're declaring you know under mm-hmm. under 20 employees or sure. or even higher uh you know why is hr important uh because it is definitely the last thing to be thought of and i will say there's a built-in excuse that when you have less than 20 employees what are you going to hire a full-time HR, but there's actually a lot of services that you can outsource like a marketing agency almost for your HR. So uh, before anybody's like, I can't do that, you know, in their head, there is, there is options out there. I, I, so, I, com- so I completely agree. Why is this important when you're a small business from a legal perspective? Because let's say you have 19 full-time employees. What, mm-hmm. What's the danger of not having the, an HR setup? So first, I think I want to make sure I reiterate the point you made, which is 100% correct, that it's generally sometimes the last thing on a business's mind once they get going. Because if you think about it, you know, if you want to start a business and you want to be compliant to get moving, a lot of times you got to hire a lawyer, you got to form your business, you got to get your operating agreement done if you're you know, an LLC, if you're a corporation, you got to get a bylaws done or shareholder agreements done, you got to get license and permits from the town or the local locality, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of these things are what's on people's minds. Then finally they say, well, look, what is our business about? A service or a product? We got to get our service contract done or our goods contract done. We got to start setting up vendor relationships. We got to find business. We got to scale. So you're doing all of that. And then the last thing on your mind generally is, well, do I have an HR presence? Because you have this interplay of management and employees um, that are not management level and they're going to be interacting. A lot of times there could be strife or problems that have to be taken care of. In addition to that, you might have benefits and things you have to take care of for your employees that they qualify for. you got Fair Labor Standard Act issues. If you have independent contractors, are you paying proper wage and hour you know, of your employees properly? So you don't think of that because you're just worried about you know, your product is your life. You want to get it out there. You want to make money. So to reiterate your point, that's the reason why a lot of businesses forget. So now to get to your second point, why is it important to have one? It's for those reasons I just stated. It's easy to misclassify an employee. Or it's easy to, um, you know, not realize that someone's raised a complaint if someone's being harassed and you have no formal process on how to escalate complaints. Or the person that someone should be raising a complaint to is the person that's actually doing the harassing or causing the wrongful Mm -hmm. behavior. So they have nowhere else to go that's neutral. And so by law, you're supposed to have all those things in place. So without them, there's several problems. Obviously, the first one is you're out of compliance with the law in any of those issues. If an employee brings a lawsuit against your business, you have a high probability of losing and causing your company monetary damages, fines, whatever else it is related to whatever the claim is. Secondary to that, one of the biggest issues with human resources issues that companies fail is they don't have consistency. So if you're going to take any action where let's say, you know, you have no process, you're a new company, and all of a sudden... You know, you want to write somebody up, okay? Mm-hmm. Well, you wrote them up because you felt that there should be a write-up. And then something else happens three months later, and you didn't write that person up. But you don't have a consistent protocol to determine why. Now you're opening yourself up to other claims because if one was a woman or one was a man, or if someone was of a certain cultural or eth- ethnicity, then it looks like you're playing favorites on one of those terms. Now you open yourself up to a harassment case, and I used to do those kinds of cases all the time, or a di- discrimination case under Title Seven. You know, you could have prevented all that if you just had a consistent protocol in place that said, here's when we write up, no matter who you are, 
your race, gender, ethnicity, etc. Here's how you're going to be written up before you get in trouble. Or if we're going to terminate somebody, here's the grounds to terminate versus just unilaterally deciding. Because if you ever had to go to court or if you ever had to go to a deposition, they're going to ask you those questions. You know, what processes, protocols did you implement or put in place in your company? And when you say you didn't have any, you're just negligent, you know, and you ignored what the law is requiring. So it's the same thing we get with Fair Labor Standard Act cases where I'll get someone who calls me and says, you know, my employee's not paying me or my employer's not paying me properly. You know, I'm an independent contractor, but they're making me, you know, stay here more than 40 hours a week and they're controlling the scope of my work. And I said, well, you know what? You're actually an employee. They're classifying you, Ron, to avoid having to pay employment taxes right. and they're passing those on to you through 1099. So you do have a claim and then the employee, the employer should have known this, whether it was on purpose or not, but their protocol should be in place to properly handle it. And HR people catch all this. And so unfortunately, sometimes businesses don't have the funds to hire a full-time HR director. They want to pay them a salary. But like you said, Law, there's companies you can outsource this to. There's ADP, there's a bunch of other companies where they'll get your documents and protocols in place and give you advice and help on those things. Or you can just ask outside counsel, you know, hire a law firm just to, you know, get a consultation for a couple hours and tell you what you need to do. And then you can kind of take it from there in terms of how you want to hire a lawyer, get certain piecemeal items from a, a, a attorney, or you can decide to use the ADP route and then see what you can get from there. So there's yeah. a lot of different ways to do it. A lot of those payroll companies have all that stuff. Like you can get a, an employee handbook done by them or it's plug exactly. and play and, and put all that yep. stuff in there. They have all that <clears throat> And it usually comes, sorry, it usually comes with whatever you're doing. It does. The Dad biggest noises. thing you do have, the, 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 the biggest thing you got to be aware of, I tell my clients is because a lot of times I draft a lot of human resource policy manuals for companies. A lot of times they'll give me one. They'll say, look, I found this one online. And I'm like, the first question I'll ask is, that's great. Did you check what all the obligations are of you? Because that might've been what someone else was yeah. doing, but you can't just take it and say, oh, this is how we handle, you know, hiring, terminations, onboarding. Yeah, read through like, it. We, yeah. So I asked them and they're like, we actually do none of that. And I was like, well, why were you using this as your document? You got to tailor it to your business and your functionalities and how you govern your business. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, you can get these things. You've got to make sure that they're tailored to your business and that you can actually do what it says on paper that you're doing, whether you're offering vacation time or sick days and everything like that. So. Yeah. One, uh, one like practical place to look, I, I really love this, uh, this yeah. website that I've gotten to know and, Maybe I'll put my referral code in this episode uh, description because I think if anybody signs up, it's like 600 bucks or something. What? Yeah. It's a uh, gusto. And so gusto, not only if you, if you, anybody that's worked in like QuickBooks or whatever, and they have all the, you know, you, you, you can do kind of your own bookkeeping, but then it's like, do you need a CPA? We have people that are QuickBooks, you know, ready that we've vetted already. So Gusto has something similar to that where they have a lot of resources, like a small business guide. It doesn't, sure. it's not going to be the end all be all. It's going to get you kind of started what to do. You need to go to like fantetilegal.com and contact <laughs> Mr. Fantetti, like nice. power business attorney to the stars. Uh, but it's one of those things where it'll get you in the right direction, but it also has that kind of, okay, here's hiring, onboarding, and uh, kind of a bunch of resources to get that payroll, to get those things in a, in a kind of, I love, uh, if anything, it's a checklist, right? Hey, I, you need to do this stuff. At least know I, that. I love, I love stuff like TurboTax. that takes something very complex and simplifies it for almost anybody. And Gusto yep. is very much like that. 
Um, good, all right. Good plug there. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely got to put that referral code in. I forgot about that until just now. There you go. Uh, 600 bones, pretty good. Just, Do I, I have, have one of those? You got one too? That is, oh, not, that is actually not bad for H from getting some HR services and uh, development and things like that for your platform. That's actually a really good price. That, and I have they, no affiliation with this might as, We might as well just have them as our advertiser every episode. That's, <laughs> yeah. That's brought better, to you by Gusto. That's a better payout oh. than what we're doing with the yeah. other ones. <laughs> there you uh, go. trial.com forward slash sweat, like Keith Sweat. <laughs> um, so we were talking a little bit too. I don't know what's going on in the news. I literally, I'm going to know less and less because I just deleted all social media off my phone Here yesterday. Wow. I'm a fucking hero. Uh, big, step. big step. I'm a hero, guys. You know, thank you, thank you. Uh, I get a mayor, I get a, a mayor sash and a key to the city mm-hmm. for being such yeah. a such a good human. For Has it been 24 hours can, yet? No. Yes. You yeah. Can, no. I just I was, you can. I was just doing it, like I'm doing it as a study on myself just to go. Uh, would this not get in the way for? The, I'm going to do it for March and just see if it. If uh, I'm more productive, which I've is the trade off is I you just, talk about it this much. Yeah. I, Shit. Yeah. It's like being vegan. I just talk about you can get you can get your news from other sources besides your phone app. I know. Well, no, it, it'll make me be more proactive to looking up news. And I feel there like I got to curate that a little bit better. Uh, Good. But Good. Uh, we're talking about the stimulus stimulus check and how how it's affecting business uh, across the country. I don't even have like a worldwide perspective on that because it, it definitely will have some of indirect effect. But what <sighs> sure what happened with this? All right. So last I heard, Trump was going to throw down two grand and then it was like, nah. And, and then some Joe people Biden got him and some people didn't. And like Joe Biden got elected. time to, through and it just whatever. So I'm, yes. I'm not talking about the first time around. Like I know last, I'm talking about last, the second time. Some yeah. people got it well, and now. some people didn't. So, so do you want to talk about what's going on right now, you mean, in yeah. terms of what recently happened? Explain in the to us why we didn't get any money. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, well, obviously, you got to qualify. But um, so I guess the easiest way to say this is what happened is most recently they put a – it's not just the um, – they called it a COVID relief bill. And so it's really broad the way it's stated. And so that's kind of what's caused some issues. So essentially what they're trying to do is they're trying to make it a COVID relief package where they're putting all this money in. The uh, legislature, it's, this is passed in the House so far, but it still hasn't approved by the Senate yet. But they're trying to put a bunch of measures into this COVID relief bill, they're calling it, where they can appropriate a bunch of funds, because obviously um, the legislature has to approve the spending for the president to even be able to, uh, for his bill to even go forward, to even be implemented. Mm-hmm. So, so far, the House approved the appropriation. So they're saying, look, we're going to put all this money into all these different things that will help with COVID relief. They're saying we're going to give, you know, um, $1,400 stimulus checks to everybody who qualifies based upon your income, et cetera. They're going to put in, uh, I think it was several hundred million dollars for vaccines. Um, they put in um, a whole bunch of other money in place to help hospitals. They have other money in place to be able to help other um, programs, including like the rent relief and things like that. So they're trying to call it a COVID relief bill, which it is because they're supplementing the bill with all these other expenses. But the House passed it because they have the majority and they're able to obviously do that. It still has to get through the Senate because it has to be approved by, by both um, legislature, by both houses in the uh, legislature, the um, House and the Senate. So while it's with the Senate, they're thinking that it may not get approved in full because what happened and what happens in most bills is people attach amendments to it. So you'll see things in this bill like there was money appropriated to build a new bridge to connect 
you know, Buffalo, New York, and Canada. <laughs> and they probably think Chuck Schumer had something to do with that. There's and money the alien thing? What was the alien? Is that the with the UFOs? That was the old bill. That, that was, was the, the other one? Bill. Good. So that this one bill, there, there's, there, there's money appropriated to help with, you know, farming. Um, there's money in this bill to help with um, cultural uh, facilities, to help with the arts and uh, humanities. And so there's also money in here where um, they're trying to attach a bill to account for a hike in the minimum wage to get it to $15 an hour. So the House passed it, but there were still some people who rejected it because they didn't like the minimum wage amendment. There's belief right now by the Republicans in the Senate as well that they're going to reject this entire bill unless you strip out some of these payments that they think shouldn't be included in this COVID bill. So they said, look, if this is meant for COVID relief, then just put money for COVID relief. Don't spend taxpayers' money, they're saying, on all these bridges and cultural things. And don't try to attach a minimum wage amendment at the end because that can hurt small businesses because now they're going to have to pay more money they don't already have when they're making less money in this economy. Don't force them to have to raise their minimum wage. You're just going to fire people and you're going to lead to more unemployment. That sounds, so, that sounds prudent. That, you so, know, like that sounds practical. I couldn't. Again, you're you're 100% right that it does. But here's the thing that I think people are missing and that I think is important to know. Number one, that is exactly one way to look at it. And that is an argument to say, if this is meant for COVID relief, make it for COVID relief. But what the Democrats would say and what Biden would say is, well, you're not wrong, but the problem is we have to think bigger here because there's a lot of consequences that COVID has had on the economy. We have to do more in the bill to cover all these different sectors, like farmers, like reopening schools, or like making sure that these multicultural centers stay open so people have jobs, so that they can take their money they're making in wages and give back to the economy. And what he's trying to do is, he's trying to foresee a problem like in the 2008 crisis, probably when he was working with Barack Obama to avoid when the, the housing crisis hit and all the banks were failing, is they have to do things to inject the economy so that people can stay employed and still be able to have jobs and contribute to the economy. And so if you're making $7.25 an hour, they're saying, look, you're still at the poverty line. It's not going to help you. We got to do something to get more money in people's pockets to get the economy stimulated. Because if we don't, then there's a high likelihood that if COVID continues and we can't reopen everything the way we did, people will have less money. So that the stimulus check might not be enough. One way to put more money in people's pockets is to increase the minimum wage. However, again, is it the best way to increase minimum wage to do it through a COVID relief bill? Some people think you should be legislating for it separately. Don't oh, pack on, just focus on COVID. Genius. Again, this is this is the but no, but this is this is the clash you're gonna see I know. right now because of these two different schools of thought. And so it's really hard to decide and find out how this is going to fall. So I think you're gonna end up seeing that in order to get this passed, if the Republicans don't try to filibuster, if they had the votes that you have to see that they might try to strip things out of this bill to get it passed, and Democrats might have to accept that to get some kind of COVID relief bill passed. So that's what we're facing right now, and that's one of the main issues that people may not be getting from the news or otherwise is that clash of how do you approach this bill? It's not just what the bill does. It's how much is packed into it aside from COVID, and is that for a reason where Republicans think you're wasteful spending, or should Republicans see that the Democrats are trying to save the economy and this is one way to help inject money in the economy to keep it moving to avoid issues. Because Republicans just think if you print more money, you're going to cause more inflation of the you know, U.S. dollar because you're putting more out there. Obviously, that's going to lower the value of, of, of the dollar once the economy starts tanking and people can't pay their debts and do things. So there's a lot here you know, than just simple COVID relief. And that's what's caused the problem with this bill and the news that you see. 
from that. Yeah, exactly. more than anything, it points to institutional problems of how it all works. That is so frustrating that they'll just roll all that shit in there, and now we're at a deadlock. You know, like, oh well, yeah, you can't just. Go- it's 2021. You guys can't just you know do it on computers and then do one thing at a time. I mean, it's not that hard. But we're well, just again, just going to fight it. But that's that's one way to look at it. But the other problem, Eric, is. Well, maybe Biden's right. Should we be thinking bigger? And we need sure. to keep the I'm not even addressing open. any of the so, issues. I don't even care yeah. about what it is. It's just like, <laughs> wait, what? Yeah. You can't just do it, the one thing, and then we yeah. can, you know, how long? And, of course, every bill is 9,000 pages long. Like, any of those guys yeah. are reading that yeah, shit. Their teams read like, it, right? shut up. Their teams read it. They, they don't course. have time to read it. Well, you're supposed to read it. But, of course, at the end of the day, yeah, you have people. I mean, the, the congressmen and women generally don't draft it. They might draft some parts or they might add some language, you know, to these general templates when they add things in. But I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, you're going to have your staff really get deep into it because it's it's very rare that these senators and and congressmen and women have time to read through the entire bill. But, you know, when you you also have to remember that their part, their sessions of a bill, there's various steps. I know you guys know how a bill is made. You probably learned in school when you were a kid, but. Sure. The song. There's a song about it, but you can tell at, the audience. What, what well, I'm not. Goes. I'm not going to go into all the <laughs> details, but at the end of the day, you do know that you know once a bill gets out of committee because it's been approved and marked up and allowed to go to the floor for debate. Yeah, a lot of this information about what's in the bill is already said through debate. So sometimes that takes their rationale away for having to read everything if they already know the items that are being debated. So usually those are the most you know gating the issues in any bill are being the ones that are debated so there's no need to really go back and read everything is what they say obviously you want to read everything that's in the bill and know when you vote and be well informed but i mean that's just what people say is one technique that these people sometimes do before they vote so you know it's important to understand that but like i said i think the most important thing is it's not necessarily about the dollars in the bill it's not necessarily always about um you know whether or not one party's trying to play politics i think the most important thing is just it's the point of view that's the right one that everyone thinks in the majority should be done. Should we just be spending to attack COVID relief or should we really be prudent and think about broader problems? And then that's why we're putting more things in the bill. Or again, like I said, is that considered overspending? We'll deal with those issues as they arise. We don't need to do all this now, but it's just a difference of opinion. Biden thinks he needs to do more to save the economy than just pay COVID relief. Republicans think, no, you don't need this wasteful spending. Just focus on what the problems are in front of us now. And as you know, conservative Republicans are generally fiscally conservative. They don't want to overspend. So that's why you have that big clash. Yeah, I'm, I'm, look, I lean, I'm leaning on the Republican side of all of that just because <clears> – <throat> only and because I'm a staunch Republican. Uh, no, because yeah, – You voted for Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Black Lives Matter, guys. I don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. Now uh, he's got to deal with that backlash again. BLM, I'm all about it. Mm. Sorry, I'm pro Black Lives Matters. Okay, what? What? Uh, so sorry. So sorry. Okay, guys. Uh, here's my thing with that is uh, that first off, minimum wage. T- can't you really say, hey, this should be a state discussion, not a federal discussion? I know there's a federal minimum wage, mm-hmm. and then there's a state one that's usually higher, mm-hmm. right? So, why? You know, what's going on? Why can't they just go? Hey, we'll figure out this federal part later of this minimum wage. We've been arguing about minimum wage since I I can remember anything. So oh, I, yeah, it'll I keep going. And I don't so like mm-hmm. to put that in and to say that we're gonna we're gonna um, you know give an enhancement of the economy overall if we get this part in from the other side doesn't right. make a lot of sense if the previous arguments for the last I don't know fifty years this has been going on for a while. 
And then the other thing I have, I just, all I can hear is my macroeconomics teacher, uh, my professor at Auburn talking about. It's uh, Auburn though. Uh, the, the re- I, I gave that specifically for a reason because, uh, you know, he is definitely on the, the conservative side. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Go figure. I know. I know. In Middle East Alabama. I don't know. Uh, and Weird. so we, we, we're the Harvard of Middle East Alabama. And so, Stop it. <laughs> well, Stop it. what else is No, you're is there? not. <laughs> <laughs> and so Phoenix City College. All right. Uh, but what I'm saying is he, he would always go into this thing about it. Actually, he claimed to be a Democrat, honestly, because he says that actually hurts when you raise the minimum wage more people will lose jobs that need it. And a lot of businesses that are on the enterprise level are McDonald's is that example. Everybody likes to use because it's ubiquitous. So it's one of those things where like they're talking about they, Washington already made it $15 an hour or something like that. And sure enough, McDonald's is like, Oh, computers do your oh, job. Yeah, now we can just do an ATM. Like we don't even need that. We don't need to, we need one human really. Yeah. It's going to force us. He's to an be, IT guy. In a, in a way, it's almost like how everybody's realizing zoom. You can do, you don't have to be in the office as much and you don't need as much office space. And it's like, yeah, well, when you're forced to do it, you're going to figure it out as a business. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what do you think about that? Do you think raising it up? And let's, let's say it in a small business perspective, if you want, just, because mostly that's the audience that might be listening is, you know, I think it does more harm than good in, in a way. Well, I mean, yeah, if you look at the bill, even I didn't get to say this point, but if you think if you look at it too, what they're saying is, you know, well, how are you going to a, how, like how are companies going to have the revenue to be able to pay and supplement to keep people on if you have to increase the minimum wage? The bill actually states, and I think very, um, Bernie Sanders put it forward and Elizabeth Warren, shocker on that, where they said, well, look, you know, we're going to tax all the big corporations who haven't raised the minimum wage right now or tried to make a more uh, competitive wage. Mm -hmm. And then as a result of that, we'll have revenue to help supplement all the small businesses to keep them in line to be able to pay more of their employees a higher minimum wage if they can't do it themselves. That's going to be a tough thing to obviously implement. But, you know, I, I think there's a better way to do it because I think Go to your there's HR no person. <laughs> well, there's no question that, 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 that the minimum wage has to be raised. I just think it's obviously too low, my personal opinion on this. I think many people would probably agree. You know, maybe other than Peter Schiff, if you look at his podcast with Joe Rogan, he was saying there should be I'm, no minimum I'm wage. I'm about to go Schiff on you. I'm, yeah, don't. Don't do it because well, I know no, you're going to say. I, I, well, what I'm going to say is I, it's more on I, – I just – in theory, I like the argument that it's a minimum. It's not supposed to be the job that you have – like. And that's what Peter Schiff is saying. It's whatever. If someone's going to pay you a dollar for a job, he says, well, don't take that job. Go somewhere else where they want to at least pay you more that the market will bear it and set it. But obviously not everybody has that ability. So I think that's why I don't think Peter Schiff's right on that. But the most important thing to obviously understand is that there has to be a rational way to implement the ability to have a minimum wage. And I think what they have to probably consider doing is they have to scale it slowly, which means if you don't want to impact a company you know, say you have to raise it, you know, by almost $8 right now or else you're going to be penalized, then scale it. You say, you know what, by 2022, it should be at 1050. By 2023, it should be at, you know, 1225. And then we get to $15, you know, by 2025. That's a less of a burden instead of just shocking the system right now and demanding companies to meet this high amount. Right. Let's incrementally make the minimum wage larger and have that committed by legislation. And then if people aren't doing it, 
then all you have to do is tax them for the difference. It's almost like what they're doing for Obamacare, which the Supreme Court said was a lawful tax. And my theory on that, why you don't do that is because you can't put your stank on it as a politician. Because you, you got to well, enact this now because you, it, you do. If, Correct. You, if you're doing it the right way, like you're saying, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's it a 20 year plan. It's easy to just have it correlate, plan. You know correlate I mean? to inflation. 2025 is four years away. You know what I'm saying? But, like, there's a lot of stuff yeah. like this that goes on that you could go, that should take, this should be a slow, this should be a slow implementation. But that will force businesses to adapt. Right. Oh, it's God. not going to force them to go high. Right away, and it, it it lowers the burden on their payroll doing that. So I think that's probably something that could be. I'm not saying it's the only answer, but I'm saying it's better than just you know saying you got to take this fifteen dollar minimum wage or, or nothing. And it's like that's you got to have. And we'll do the same thing in ten years, where it's just whatever number that is. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's a moving target for sure, but mm-hmm. at the same time, uh, oh, oh man, I had something. Oh, so. We we were talking about that scaling up book and the if for anybody listening about how to scale for the small yeah. the four parts you remember sure. I do you got it I don't know no no oh. not off the top of my head no no I remember the book yeah, yeah. Uh, well for anybody that's just even trying to do their own side hustle and thinking about scaling you down ahead, on your hand go ahead and say it go ahead. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm, more, I'm nervous I'm not going to get it right uh, yeah. uh, here we go baby people Let's hear it. strategy execution cash and those are the four things yeah. you need that to scale right. up and that could be from you scaling your your jewelry, your turquoise jewelry store on Pinterest and Etsy mm-hmm. to getting it to being a full-time thing. You got to mm-hmm. think of that even from that jump at the, at the starter level uh, mm-hmm. to, I want to make full-time job out of this. Uh, sure. I want to make a whole company out of this. Expand to other colors. Right. Yeah. Aquamarine, not, maybe. Whatever your tacky aunt likes to buy. I want to, sure. I want to. Jangly jewelry. Whatever people in the West <laughs> That are uh, alternative medicine people. That's what I'm. Uh, this is the jewelry I'm making. So uh, I'm just. That's that's something I was been listening to and thinking about as you're talking about mm-hmm. that. Because sure. I think from the the business side perspective, it, it's uh, I don't know. It's just interesting to to watch that and figure out an actual way to do it. With the real key is to not worry about the government uh, waiting for the government to help you because that's that's a you know well, right. a fool's, I mean, well, a fool's I mean, dream. Almost. Well, sometimes some businesses will obviously need help because, I mean, even what, what I was talking about doesn't mean that's the exact way it should be done or that I agree it should be done. That's just something that people have been proposing. Right. But I do know, you know, when you've had two and a half million small businesses fail since March of last year, you know, some businesses are going to probably need some help. And that's obviously what the government there is for. It's not just, you know, regulations also to provide assistance. But, I mean, there's got to be the happy medium where you can't overregulate. Too much regulation kills, you know, the ability for some people and businesses to be able to not just have competition, but to be able to um, diversify their product set or to be able to grow their business and scale sometimes. So, you know, you have to find that happy medium. It's obviously very difficult to do because you do have differences of opinion on both sides of the aisle in Congress. But I mean, I just think at the end of the day, the biggest thing that they have to take to, you know, be aware of when you pass bills like this is you really want to try to get them on a bipartisan basis. I mean, if you learned it under Obama's administration, when he had to pass even the Affordable Care Act. Remember, he had zero votes when it went to the Senate to approve it. So all the Democrats pushed it through. And then after that, the Republicans thought the Democrats didn't want to work with them anymore, and they didn't help them get any of their agenda through when they had the majority in the uh, um, Senate. So ultimately, what this means is I think it's in Biden's best interest to make sure that he does get bipartisan support, listen to what the Republicans want here, He's going to have to cut something. If you looked at his press conference last week, I think it was on Friday or Saturday, um, Biden said, he goes, you tell me what to cut. 
I think all this stuff needs to be in here. So the Republicans oh, just wow. got to propose it. If it's going to be the minimum wage, then you got to what to do. Do the work for what do you strip? God. So but yeah, yeah, but I mean that's what we're facing. But at, at the end of the day, there's no question. We got to help these burdening these, these these burdens on business. And I don't know right now if you know making the minimum wage implemented at that rate at that amount of time is really going to help the economy. But again, I'm not an economist. Maybe there's something I don't know that he's being told from his personnel. I think a gradual, slower, you know. Um, implementation is probably a better approach than they heard in the economy right now. But I mean, I guess it just depends how much money they actually end up injecting in the economy to help businesses. So um, I don't know how many are getting PPP and those other kinds of, of paycheck protections and uh, loans. So we'll have to see. And you're not a politician yet, but yeah. uh, <laughs> we're, we're out of time, man. I did, we didn't even get to all yeah. the stuff on the punch list, but let's just get you back on every month or something. And, uh, yeah, I'm ready to come back anytime. Yeah. Come, we'll get you in the studio next time. Sounds good. Yeah. You want to talk about competition. That's your favorite thing, man. You love monopolies and stuff. You love talking about that. Competition makes you better, I think. Absolutely. I'm all about it. Yeah, let's. we can talk all about competition next time. Cool. All right, well, brother. thanks for having me on, you guys. Thanks, you guys dude. Take care. Thanks, man. See you later.